0: This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Delighted to be joined by our next guest from the Denver Gazette, Chris Thomason. Chris wrote a, a terrific article about uh, Lionel Taylor, one of the Broncos' Ring of Famers, and truly one of their a few great AFL players. Obviously, of course, little Lionel Taylor really lead the way, but uh, Chris is as. Get an opportunity to join us. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. I know it's, it's going to be busy on the Broncos beat starting right now, but, but i wanted to look back a little bit to that Taylor piece and the idea that uh, he has not been able to see his statue and, and it, it, it makes you think a little bit. Now I'll, I'll cross it over because I know you've also uh, covered the NBA. This came up a little bit with the Denver Nuggets during their run of of what sort of responsibility did the Nuggets have to bring back their past greats to to help celebrate them. And that popped up from time to time with players wanting to be part of the celebration and come catch the Nuggets as they made their run. Uh, That part of it, I think, is kind of intriguing. What was your takeaway from both Taylor's perspective and the idea of the Broncos under new ownership, what they might want to do looking at the history of a team that, quite frankly, they've just acquired?
1: Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Yeah, I did uh, I didn't include it in the article, but I did talk to Lionel Taylor about, you know, the Ring of Fame and he did mention about how Pat Boland uh was a first-class guy and he would uh fly all the Ring of Famers in fully exp all expenses paid, you know, each year for when they have the alumni weekend and that happened. But uh basically, as you well know, the ownership was in transition for a number of years and then pat bolin wasn't active in it before he died and then it was in continued transition and now they got new ownership so it remains to be seen what's going to happen with the ring of fame thing it's interesting that lionel taylor still hasn't seen his uh statue or his pillar that was put up i think in 2013 they built that plaza but i mean part of it also is he's not a big guy that dwells on his past accomplishments and and, and all that. So, uh, I mean, I'm sure he's flattered that he's got a pillar there, but not the type of guy that necessarily felt he had to rush up and see it. But he might be coming up this fall. His grandson might drive him up. So uh, hopefully he'll get to
2: see it. Well, that would be great if it happened that way. And I I know I I was surprised uh, in hearing that he hadn't, never had occasion to uh, come up here. I know he is in his late eighties. Now he's not in the best of health, uh, but that shocked me because it wasn't like he was just inducted a year ago or five years ago. Right. Uh, 1984. I I, I mean, that's a long time. That's the first year that Bowen was the owner. So while Bowen may have communicated with him, it, it, it surprises me that for 30 years, there was never a chance. And I understand that I say 30 years, that uh, the last five, six, seven, maybe more, uh, were years in which uh, Pat Bowen wasn't always completely functional and, and had help with the day-to-day uh, operation of the Broncos. But, yeah, that, that's a That's a long time not to have ever had the opportunity uh, to come up here. But in any case, I I think you understand this. Obviously, you did the piece and you did your background. Lionel Taylor was not just uh, uh, a kind of, oh, well, let's do something nice for sentimental reasons. Lionel Taylor, in terms of volume of receptions and playing on bad football teams and quarterbacks who were either never any good or were at the very tail end of their careers. He was a remarkable receiver in Bronco history. There's no doubt to this day that Lionel Taylor is one of the top five receivers in the history of this franchise and maybe one of the top two or three.
1: Yeah. First pro receiver to have a hundred catches in a season And he did it in 1961 with an even 100. Charlie Hennigan broke his record in the AFL with Houston in 64 with 101. But there wasn't a uh, 100-catch receiver then until Art Monk in, like, 1984 with the 16-game season. I mean, now as pass-happy as the league is, and also with 17 games. Happens all the time. Happens with regularity, but he was the first.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Taylor still ranks fourth on the Broncos all time receiving list. Fourth. Despite, and, the, despite and, the, the fact the league is passed. The only two guys ever, Ron Smith, Demarius Thomas, and Shannon Shaw. And if
2: I'm not mistaken, went on to become a wide receivers coach in the National Football League. I think with the Rams, if I'm not mistaken. But, but, yeah, but in any case, I mean, this is was, a guy who had a post-football career in football.
1: Yeah, he was kind of a pioneer um, in the NFL and coaching. He was uh, the only... Black assistant coach when he was hired by the Steelers in 1970. Not sure if he was the first. He very well might have been. And he was on two Super Bowl teams as wide receivers coach and helped nurture Lynn Swan and John Stallings, future Hall of Famer. That's more memorable. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's right. Right. That's much what you. Thank you for correcting me.
1: Coordinator with the Rams. Right. And uh, you know he might have been a guy nowadays who at least get an interview for a head coach he never got an interview because in 1980 and 81 when he was offensive coordinator for the rams i mean the nfl was still eight eight years away or so from marshall being the first black head coach in the modern era
0: exactly chris when you think about that 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 history there i mean who is next for the ring of fame i mean now we're talking about new ownership how's that going to to change is it going to change at all and, and and what broncos should be considered
1: well it seems to me that they want to be super selective um i don't know if they think there's too many people in it already but i mean two years two straight years have passed with nobody inducted so they're not just going to put somebody in to put somebody in i was talking to joe collier the uh few weeks ago and uh, one, a couple guys he threw out were Steve Foley, who was the all-time leading interceptor in Broncos history, although he actually never made a Pro Bowl, but the other guy he threw out that I was intrigued by was Riley Odoms, who made, I think, four Pro Bowls. He was one of the first real modern-type tight ends of the 70s who helped evolve the position. I mean, you look at his receiving numbers, they're not like gaudy like they are today, but... He was one of the guys that kind of helped define the tight end of the modern tight end position and was a stalwart throughout the seventies. The and uh, so I think he'd be a strong
2: candidate. Speaking of top players at his position in the history of the franchise. Now we looked at Shannon Sharp first and foremost, quite clearly, but after that at the tight end position, I'm not sure that there was anyone in the history of this franchise distinctly better than Riley Odoms, and as you just pointed out, you have to consider the context of the times in which he played and also the fact that uh, even in 1977 when the Broncos became a Super Bowl team, they were not a big-time passing team. Haven Moses didn't have a lot of catches. Riley Odoms didn't have a lot of catches. But I agree with Joe Collier, as I always do. Personally, I think Joe Collier's is <laughs> one of the people that should be considered it's, it's, to be in the ring of fame. Well, Joe Collier should have been in the ring of fame ages, ages ago. I know that's, that's who he is. That's who he is. He thinks it's a player's deal and should only involve players, but there are coaches in the ring of fame and he should be one of them. But I want to, I I just wanted to add for that. I I probably saw Steve Foley play uh, more than uh, you two guys did. And I, I can say with certainty when it comes to the ring of fame, Steve Foley is another one who should have been in there years and years and years ago because he not only played safety, but he played corner. And he was fearless. He was not big, but pound for pound, he was as hard a hitter as there was and as courageous a player as I ever saw play for this franchise. He is one of my all-time favorites, and there's no doubt that Steve Foley and Riley Odom should be in the ring of fame. And it's borderline ridiculous that they're not.
1: There you have it. Okay. (laughs) Can't disagree.
0: Well, there's certainly going to be uh, options, but you look at those great players for the all-time Broncos here, and then you look at this team coming up, Chris, and and, uh, a lot of people thought that uh, coming into the last year that Russell Wilson was a guy that was ticketed for the Hall of Fame, uh, let alone if he had played a, a few years for the Denver Broncos, the Ring of Fame would almost seem as if it was a fait accompli. That no longer uh, seems to be in the offing, or at least at the very least is up in the air. At the moment, when you look at the idea, we started the program before we came on talking about the Denver Broncos having stars. And we're not talking even about uh, ring of fame stars. We're talking about pro bowlers. This Broncos team seems pretty short on those kind of talents at this point, doesn't it?
1: In, in terms of, yeah, uh, stars, Guys and yes, sort of star power. Well, yeah, I was I was on the uh, show last week, if you recall, and you asked me who the biggest star was, mm-hmm. and I said on offense. Jerry Judy, and he yeah. never even made a Pro Bowl. Right, so, uh, right,
2: exactly.
1: Yeah, so they, I mean, other than obviously Russell Wilson, who made nine Pro Bowls, but with a different team, Seattle, yeah, they don't have, I mean, Pat Surtain, obviously, uh, you know, is carving himself out as a perennial Pro Bowler type guy in the secondary and they got Justin Simmons. So you'd look first at those two guys. Absolutely. But I think your question last week was best offensive yes. player. Yes. Yeah, and, and so they don't yeah, they don't have those uh those stars. So well and, and that's why the offense has been so bad the past several years.
2: I know that Uazawike was not a fixture, uh, Chris, but he was someone who was at least gonna get a chance to compete for more playing time than he got last year. And, uh, you know, he wasn't a first, second, or third-round pick, but he was a fourth-round pick, and he was the uh, fourth draft pick the Broncos made in 2022 behind Benito, Dulcich, and Mathis. How big a blow is this? I mean, hideously stupid uh, It his act was, without question. But how much does this impact if it has any impact at all how does this impact a position that was already not very deep the defensive yeah i mean
1: yeah i mean you hit it on the head right there and uh, it's uh they don't have a lot of depth on the defensive line there and he was a rotation type player and then mike purcell we see has ended up on the non-football injury list, right. and it's not, not exactly certain what's going on there, except we know he's certainly not going to start training camp, so that's two guys in your defensive line rotation who are out right when training camp starts, so yeah, that's going to be a big blow, and then obviously, if you want to extend it to the edge rushers, I mean, they got Frank Clark, but that was because Baron Browning was hurt, so
0: you got right. another
1: injury there so yeah there's uh there's some concern there most definitely
0: do you think that this uh the suspension of azarique in particular makes it likely that the broncos maybe go shopping that they move on from him and then go look we talked about this i think last week the fact that the broncos still have about between eight and and nine and a half million on the cap depending on the way you calculate it enough to go to land a, a player and that's one of the reasons they keep the cap money open is in case you need to make those moves knowing that the Broncos' investments were on both sides of the line in free agency for the most part, offensively and defensively, it feels like they'd rather be proactive than reactive and maybe get to something quickly here. Do you expect that they'd do that, or do you think they'll be waiting a little bit to see about the guys that are remaining in camp with only a handful that are healthy?
1: Well, I mean, like I said, we don't have really the details on Purcell's injury and how... Right.
0: No,
2: we don't do it. We? Except it's uh, non-football,
0: yeah, right?
2: That's what we, we all know. we know it's non-football related. That's a great point. We have no information on his injury.
0: Unlike yeah, yeah, unlike so, KJ
2: Hamler, well, we yeah, know exactly yeah, so, what his injury was.
1: No, but obviously they're they're going to be looking. I mean, uh, and if they find somebody, they'll pounce on him. I mean, they pounced on Frank Clark. I mean, uh, his name really wasn't. They, they kept that under wraps pretty good. It was all of a sudden, boom! Broncos signed Frank Clark, and so they did a good job of, you know, from their standpoint. I mean, in the media, it's not a good job. We don't, we don't like that one. We don't have any idea what they're going to do. But yeah, they, they've got names out there, and boom! One day we might just see that uh, they're signing a defensive lineman. No, no doubt at all, because they need some help in that area certainly.
0: We're talking with Chris Thomason of the Denver Gazette. Obviously, the practices will get going this week. The expectation is things will look very, very different under uh, Sean Payton than they were under Nathaniel Hackett. But when you see situations in the past in which a team has been struggling and struggling for years and they turn to, I I think it is fair to say to a certain extent that Sean Payton is an an all-time great coach, the turnaround time is expected to be immediate. Payton himself has kind of put the dampers on that, uh, referring to uh, one of the OTAs with, uh, owner Greg Penner is being at base camp of Mount Everest. How easy is it going to be for Peyton to go ahead and, and also damper Broncos fans expectations who think that in many cases, you bring a famous coach that's won the Super Bowl, things will turn around quickly.
1: Well, that's almost exactly what I wrote about in the story that was posted about an hour ago or so. Uh, well, we Peyton were on air. The- See,
0: there you go. I missed it. Great minds and all that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I talked to Pey- uh, Sean Peyton is the 15th coach in nfl history to win a super bowl then later coach another franchise nobody's ever won a super bowl with two different teams coming the closest bill parcells won with the giants and took the patriots to the super bowl right mike holmgren took one with the packers took the seahawks to the super bowl so i talked to a bunch of those guys i talked to parcells holmgren mike shanahan Dick Vermeil, Tom Flores, Mike McCarthy, all about the challenge of trying to win a Super Bowl with the second team. And, uh, yeah, expectations increase. There's absolutely no doubt about it. I mean, you've got a guy who's won a Super Bowl on his resume, and uh, some people might say if he doesn't do it here, it'd be a failure. So expectations are high, but I think people are realistic in that it certainly is not going to
2: happen overnight and it's going to take a few years. Uh, hopefully not too many years. I think, you know what, I, I, I think I i can't wait to read your piece. I think you're right on. You certainly talk to the right people. I, I think reasonable fans who have any sense of history know exactly what you're talking about. We've talked about it here, uh, including Shanahan. There have been 14 head coaches who have won Super Bowls, who have gone on to another team. Now, where it gets tricky with Mike was that the 13 of the 14 were coaching their first team and then went on to a second. Mike in Denver was the head coach of his second team, and he later went on to a third team in Washington and obviously didn't have great success the first year there, although he did make the playoffs with RG3 uh, a couple of years later. But the, the point is that only Lombardi, who didn't make the playoffs with Washington in 69, Holmgren in 99 with Seattle, and Doug Peterson last year with Jacksonville, even had winning records the first year. Lombardi didn't make the playoffs. Holmgren made it but lost his only playoff game his first year. And Peterson, of course, last year was down 27 to nothing to the Chargers, came back and won the game. That's the one playoff game that's ever been won by a Super Bowl coach who's gone on to another team during the first year. So, and and I want to bounce this off, you see if you agree, shouldn't Bronco fans be thrilled with 9 and 8, even if 9 and 8 does not produce a playoff berth?
1: You know, I've had that conversation before, and I think, I mean, obviously we'd have to see how Russell Wilson looks and all those other things, but I think nine and eight would be generally a successful season, a four-game improvement, you know, as long as it's the type of nine and eight where you're not just maybe beating some teams near the end of the season or out of the playoffs, or you're winning ugly and then getting blown out and, in games against real teams, but yeah, if they go nine and eight and are competitive in most games, I mean, I would have to regard that as a success.
0: I would think so. I I think Broncos fans, if they were realistic, would find that to be a, a pretty special turnaround and, and uh, he's hoping that ends up being the case. He is Chris Thomason. Make sure you give him a, a follow over on I'm not calling it X. Don't make me try to call it X. I'm not going to do it. Chris Thomason with the Denver Gazette. Make sure you check out everything he's put together. The great story on Lionel Taylor. And of course uh, the new one today, just this afternoon with uh, Sean Payton as well. We'll touch base with you over the course of the next couple of weeks and uh, looking forward to probably seeing you out in person at one of these practices soon enough. Thanks for the time, Chris. Hey, sounds great. Thanks for having me guys. All right. Thanks so much. Chris Thomason joins us. And, uh,
2: and I, I give Chris Thomason an enormous credit. Chris Thomason has written Here in Denver in the past. Yes. But he was covering the Nuggets on that occasion. Uh, He's covered the Vikings Mm -hmm. uh, for years. He comes back now, covers the Broncos, but he knows who the right people are when it comes to talking about a particular subject. And he demonstrated that just now, uh, talking with the great Joe Collier about Lionel Taylor Joe Collier would know very well. Mm-hmm. And it, I'll tell you, it, Joe Collier is such a, a wonderful man. And to me, he's on the Mount Rushmore of all time defensive coaches.
0: He is a Colorado sports hall of famer. Just he hasn't is. been on the Broncos ring of fame, but he is. Colorado Which is sports, he's kind of and I no,
2: well, only head coaches can be on there. Joe Collier was as close to being a co-head coach as you can be without having exactly the title. And he was that man under two different head coaches. He and red Miller were close friends and collaborated on the miracle season of 1977. Joe Collier and Dan Reeves were not close friends. And yet Dan Reeves knew enough to appoint Joe Collier as associate head coach before Dan Reese fired him in nineteen eighty, what are what are? Let
0: me think here, real quick here. What are most teams playing right now? Three fours with blitzing pressure coming from any of the four linebackers, some of which may play with a hand down. Hmm. Where do I see that talk before? About and I know this. I man, mean, this was this was mid seventies Joe Collier defense. Just and very, this is what the NFL plays right now. Very
2: quickly, people talk about two people in conjunction with the three four. They talk about Bill mm-hmm. uh, who I happen to have known. Uh, as a young man, head coach of the New York football giants, after being the fabled defensive coordinator of Don Shula's great teams in Miami, and eventually went back to Miami and coached for Shula again, speaking of two guys who are not close friends, Mm -hmm. but work very well together and the great Joe Collier. Those are the two people I think of when I think of the three, four defense.
0: And uh, quite frankly, when you look at today's NFL, you still should. Not much of it has really changed. It's just the athletes they're putting in it. Pretty remarkable stuff. Great stuff by Chris Thomason. Uh, we're going to take a look real quick because some interesting news in the NBA. Uh, Jalen Brown surpasses Nikola Jokic when you're talking about salary. And Nikola Jokic himself taking a little mental break as well as a physical break. What does that mean for the the Nuggets? Well, that's good stuff. What does it mean for Jokic? That's an interesting question. As is the Jalen Brown contract for one Jamal Murray. A lot to unpack. We'll do it next on Miley Sports. I did nothing happened to me. I keep on I'm gonna yeah, yeah. Sandy Cuff and Chantro Tar presented by Superbook Sports. download the Superbook app and start winning today at superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. There's news in the NBA even though you're thinking wait, why? Well, money's getting thrown around. You know what?
2: The the NBA, I would say even more than the NHL has joined the NFL and obviously Major League Baseball as the the three sports who clearly during their off seasons make the most news and a lot of that is by design. Of course, you have the draft But the draft is kind of the least of it. You have free agency and you have these major signings. Yeah. One of which we're going to talk. Uh, about. Yes.
0: Jalen Brown uh, for the Celtics. uh, The agreement there. Jason Glushon told ESPN uh, today. The Brown will sign the Supermax deal. Five years. 304 million. Now, I mean, it, it, it scales up. But when we're talking about this, we're not talking about. NFL deals, like when Patrick Mahomes signed for $400 million and we'll never see $400 million. Uh, the second Jalen Brown puts pen to paper, he gets $304 million. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's an average of $60 million a year. <laughs> I mean, you were a math whiz. i always admired that uh, about you. I mean, wow. Now, the interesting issue. Nikola Jokic was $276 million when he got his deal. The uh,
2: Obviously, everything's in the timing. We all, sure, we all
0: it's all in the sense. timing. Okay.
2: The interesting thing is here, and I happen to be a Jalen Brown fan. Jalen Brown is a good to excellent basketball player. Does pain him as if he is a great player make him a great player? Of course not. I think there will be enormous pressure, especially next year. There was this year too, because he was setting up for this kind of contract. Mm -hmm. There will be even more pressure on him next year to be a great player. And one of the lessons I've learned in sports over all of the years has been this paying a player, Good money, when he's only average, does not make him a good player. And playing good basketball, in Jalen Brown's case, does not mean that if you pay him as a great player, he will then become a great player. And there will be at least as much pressure on Jalen Brown, who I understand is considered if not first team, then maybe second or third and team. And he was second team, yeah, yep.
0: which is yep. what enabled okay. him to get the okay. uh, and, Super and max.
2: I'll, I'll go for that. But to me, great players, truly great players are first-team All-NBA guys. And I think second All-NBA status is a ceiling of sorts for Jalen Brown. And I would be surprised – if ever again he was second team well, of NBA, forget about first team. Oh, and I, that's why I preface this by saying I like him a lot as a player. He's very good. He is excellent. He is he is a good guy. He is not a malcontent. He is not a prima. There's not a team that he would want him. He is not an egomaniac. No. I mean every team He'd in the league would love to have with him with any team sure. in the league. But. paying him this way involves more than a commitment you're you're putting tremendous pressure on this man even more so and it, it, Tatum will be in line for this got a deal
1: next,
0: next year. year and it, and of course but the, for, the negotiations will be swift
2: <laughs> i imagine they will be and he will make more than Jalen Brown makes mm-hmm. but at the start of this year Jalen Brown will be the highest-paid player in the Boston Celtics, a championship-contending team. And if they fail to win a championship, Jalen Brown, who would not make the first, second, or third all-Celtic all-time team. Oh, yeah. It's a tougher
0: team than most, to be fair. Uh, Yes,
2: I I understand that. I'm just saying, uh, having grown up, if not as a Celtic fan, then a close observer of the Boston Celtics that he is not one of the 20 greatest Celtic players of all time, but no other Celtic has ever made $304 million over
0: five years. Oh, many of them over their career. Jalen Brown in, in player efficiency rating, which I think is a pretty good overall because it, it takes, uh, I'll simplify the stat for you. It's basically, Things you do well, points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and rebounds, minus the things you do badly, turnovers, missed shots, missed free throws. Essentially, that's turnovers it. is the problem with Jalen Brown. Right. Jalen Brown was a very, very good player. 23rd best in the league last year, in between De'Aaron Fox of Sacramento and DeAndre Ayton of Phoenix. I, I would agree with that. He, he's a better player than Ayton. Uh, Fox, I'm not sure he's a better player than Fox
2: right now. Now, again, but again I understand that's, but that's the where he sits. Is, I, I 20 understand. Twenty the time, third in the league. And listen, Aiton's overpaid, and May, Aiton might be more overpaid than Jalen Brown probably, turns out. Probably is. Okay, but well, the the point being, I'm glad you pointed that out. He's not even considered, in that sense, one of the top twenty players well, in the not, NBA today. He's not considered much the best player, on his, 20,
0: Celtic, the best player on his team. Top twenty-five on The best player of all time. He's not. I mean, well, Jason no, Tatum' I, I, efficiency I, I, was was I eighth. Uh, tops in the league, of course. Guess who? Uh, Nikola Jokic by a rather wide margin, by the way. And maybe you talk about that pressure that it adds to Jalen Brown. Maybe we're even, as hard as it is to believe, shortchanging Nikola Jokic's brilliant season last year because here we are. He's the highest paid player in the league last year with all that pressure on a team that's never won a title, and he takes that team to a title. I mean, the pressure that Nikola Jokic had been on since—I mean, it's—it's it's been remarkable what kind of year he had. And It's not that so, he never
2: showed any sign no, of feeling.
0: No, and uh, in this case, the the FIBA World Cup is upcoming. Obviously, Serbia would love to have Nikola Jokic. He is not uh, going to do it after playing 89 games with big minutes. He's played 288 games over uh, the last few seasons since 2019-2020. That's the ninth most in the oh, league. When they and won the
2: championship bad. six weeks ago, mm-hmm. and he's saying he's mentally fried. Yeah. It, it, I, I, I'd say even at the start of this season, so I'd be concerned over that, yep. right? Forget it. Six weeks so. later, and there is some expectation with somebody somewhere that he would even consider playing for Serbia. Serbia's head coach, in the, in, uh, Svetislav
0: Pecek, said in specifically with Jokic, we had several conversations. And I must say, sir, there were some of the best conversations I've ever had with a player who couldn't make it to the roster. He's physically and mentally exhausted and well, not ready to take on the responsibility. Of course, at the moment, uh, you know he's going to be at those games cheering the team on. But yeah, oh, sure. But, of course he, but he can't play. And, well, I'm glad the the coach said that. And I think the, I think the coach. Uh, and what I like about that is it even. I mean, look, if you're Serbia, the best player in the world plays for you. you you're Serbia. Uh, that's a hard loss to take. But, but to their credit, oh. they're, they're looking at it and saying, look, I think you brought us enough national pride all I, right now already. I Why think don't you have, you have just to rest consider up?
2: what the priorities are. And if it's a choice between having the best player in the world, in now a championship player, and clearly the best player on the team that won the championship and basically rampaged through the playoffs, yes really did with 16 wins in 20 games. Would you rather have that? Or would you rather have this same player available for FIBA play?
0: But which you might get into the knockout rounds.
2: Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, there's, there's no choice. I, the I give, I give them understand. credit. Yeah. The
0: coach. I mean, if you're the coach, you're like, ah, I mean, who wouldn't want to call Jokic, but I, I, I like the approach there of understanding They're like, look, I, this, this is, this is okay. The, the and, two, uh, one quick other thing yeah. on that, Sean. Yeah. Anybody that has a problem with Jokic skipping the FIBA World Cup should just look at the Team USA roster. Oh, yeah. And see all the That's great American a, players who are also not opting uh, not, to not play in the up FIBA up World Absolutely. Cup. Not who had the workload Absolutely. that Jokic
2: did. But you know what? I'm, I'm, you were correct in interjecting that, Danny. And it represents some of our hubris that we don't question our own guys who skip that tournament. Right. But... And and again, I don't know of anyone serious who is criticizing Jokic. Well, it sounds like even winning. in
0: Serbia, no. But, <laughs> I mean, they're but, like, nah, we get it. But
2: if we excuse Americans for skipping this particular tournament, then why would we even imagine being inclined to offer a hint of criticism of Jokic for not playing it's,
0: it's it's a good point and and the nice thing is i think people are starting to realize that that's that ends up being the case so uh Jokic will rest that's good news back to very quickly before we uh part though the the jaylen round contract is interesting because jamal Murray is up to renegotiate now it is worth noting jamal Diamond murray is everything Jamal murray can't sign that deal yet because Jam- jamal murray has never been all nba
2: He's never even been an all-star, which may right. change
0: next year, but All-NBA, All-NBA is a jump. That's now, a jump. That's a, talk for a later day, but keep in mind, I would imagine Jamal Murray would like to make an All-NBA team, not only for the amount of money it would bring him in the future, the big jump into a Supermax, but just because you'd like to win it, you'd like to have it. But um, we'll have to keep an eye on what that means for the Nuggets over the course of the year when they're going for a repeat. What is Jamal Murray's... Ability? Could
2: there be a time? Could there be a time in which Nikola Jokic is no longer the highest paid player on the Denver Nuggets?
0: Yes. And it might be sooner than everybody thinks. We, we will see. Uh, keep in mind, by the way, you know those sorts of stuff going on. We're talking about we're talking about basketball uh, when soccer's going on. You know, and, and the football season's right around the corner. So over at SuperBook, we're changing the game. Help your bets stay hot this summer at SuperBook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now, when you use the promo code Mile High, you score up to two hundred fifty dollars with your first bet bonus, win or lose. SuperBook will match your first bet up to two hundred fifty dollars with promo code mile high it's easy to use just download the superbook sports app enter the promo code mile high and you'll get 250 bucks courtesy of superbook sports so visit superbook.com for all the terms and conditions gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 if you happen to play in it in a uh, for a an nfl franchise um stick to the basketball and soccer and uh and, and don't do it on you know team facilities just just a p- public service what i can do to try to help you out a little bit uh lest you lose your spot on the Denver Broncos for a year. With the Broncos veterans reporting to camp, the story is going to be about Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. Sean Keeler of the Denver Post had an interesting piece today, actually talking about a lot of what you've been leaning into, Sandy. How heavy a hand does Sean Payton have to use with Russell Wilson in order to get him to buy in? We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Did so Danny Bailey's back? Obviously, you heard his voice uh, in the last segment there. In that, uh, it's the '80s vibe on a Tuesday, just kind of feeling it. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah, keeping it I just like a little fresh, you know. Yeah. I like to mix it up a lot, so. It so was like a just kind St. of St. Elmo's follow, follow where there. things take Ooh, me. Yeah. Cars. Okay, I like that. You're, you know, just, that's a. Uh,
2: this is what I like about Danny. Bailey. We get our own personal Danny things. It's awesome. He's got an old soul.
0: Yes. Yes. An no, Old soul.
2: He is not one of those comes guys music, right. who appears to be whether it's music or sports, conscious of only things that happened during
0: his lifetime on this earth. Right. Exactly. Uh, which uh, which is good because uh, man, our show would be exhausting you didn't think that way so thanks danny the denver broncos as they uh get their veterans into a camp today down at the valley the thought process uh, about how sean payton and russell Wilson will get along obviously sort of leads everything because if the broncos are going to say get to a nine and eight record it's not without russell wilson having a big bounce back season and uh, that doesn't mean he's going to look like the best he's ever been but it's got to be a huge bounce back from here and so Over the Never Post, Sean Keeler's done an interesting piece today about the idea and and really kind of, I think, was thinking along the same lines you did. And and we talked about it yesterday with Eric Goodman that I've thought that Jared Stidham, I think think he's fascinating. I think that Sean Payton likes him. I don't think Sean Payton thinks Jared Stidham's a long-term NFL starter. I think what he is is he's a threat that he's going to basically hold over Russell Wilson's head. Like, look, if we're going to lose with you, we can lose without you, and at least I might as well play this guy who's going to do what I want him to do. I think that's the way Sean Payton is perceiving it. Now, that is, that is a sort of covert threat. What Keeler was suggesting, and maybe to a point where even you've thought about, maybe those threats need to be a little more overt when it comes to Wilson from the get-go.
2: So I read this column this morning, and my initial reaction was, beyond it being a terrific column, which it was, my initial reaction was, I should have been much, much stronger in what I said, not only yesterday, but in previous days, weeks, and months since last year ended regarding Russell Wilson because that that's a column with some opinion, and there's no equivocation in
0: there. Now, yeah, in fact, is the quote, he No more hugs, no more kid right. gloves, no more coddling is what he wrote today.
2: I have taken the position over the months, and I think you have too, that Russell Wilson in training camp will be and should be under no threat of being replaced at quarterback. Right. No. Sean Keeler says that from day one, he should be, to use your word, threatened, not because Jarrett Stidham is some savior, hidden gem that Sean Payton lured away from Josh McDaniels, who coached Jarrett Stidham with the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. But because Russell Wilson hasn't earned the right to be, back to our term earlier in the program, a fixture. Forget about a star or superstar. Sean Keeler's opinion, very well laid out in the Denver Post today, is that he shouldn't even be a fixture. That as far as the Broncos are concerned and Sean Payton is concerned, he is unproven. With Seattle, proven. Whatever his flaws may have been, but definitely proven. Most definitely a star. And at times a superstar, although as you pointed out the other day, he never received a first place MVP yep. vote in his
0: life. No, not yet,
2: and he won't now.
0: Probably not. That's that's obviously a, an interesting part of the equation. Too.
2: I thought, you know what, he was more opinionated and more direct than I had been. Maybe I've been a little bit too soft. So uh, good for Sean Keeler. That's the way a column should be written if it's an opinion column and i understand the different kinds of columns you can write. Right. You can write an opinion column on the eve of training camp. Come with one. That's the one to
0: write. And and, and i think there's reasons to back it up, obviously. And i and i mean the the bloom is off the rose. Now obviously in, in in full disclosure, you know, i i've I've, uh, I've consulted on uh the Madden video game for over a, a dozen years. Did
2: you happen to uh, not, know? I had no idea. Did not you this one. see where he was raised?
0: Yes. Not this one. I haven't been on this one. It's been a couple of years since I've been, I've been doing that. I'm too busy to help with that. But uh, as as the technology advances more and more, there is a lot more actual evaluation, and these are stat driven, they are data driven, uh, they are taken more from uh reality than necessarily somebody watching a couple games from their basement and saying it's this. Patrick Mahomes obviously leads the way. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. Oh, that sounds about right. But you have 10 per page. You keep scrolling down. Oh, where? Oh, okay, well, next page. Behind the two attack of Iloas and Kirk Cousins of the world. Behind the Geno Smiths and Jared Goffs of the world. Behind the Derek Carr and even the Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world. There is Russell Wilson at a 77 out of 100 as the 18th best quarterback in the NFL. And you know what? That sounds about right. It even sounds slightly generous.
2: And I think Sean Keeler establishes that he wouldn't necessarily even buy into that high a ranking. I am persuaded by, by his arguments. I'll, I'll I'll still say if it were me and, in addition, to my own opinion, what I think they're likely to do, because I think creating a circus like atmosphere around a quarterback competition would be a mistake, he's got bigger fish to fry in training camp mm-hmm. than that. Yeah, let Wilson let Wilson no play himself out of the job right. over the course of the season, if that's what comes to pass. But don't force the issue in training camp. You'll have positional battles in training camp. You'll have battles there's to make the more team or get worry. cut. But there are far more important things uh, to worry about. And the burden of proof is on Wilson anyway. Yeah. It isn't on you to prove you're a tough guy with Russell Wilson and subject him to uh, the kind of treatment that guess, might be perceived as yeah. being overly disrespectful. This is now, where there's a I difference wonder. between being disrespectful and being tough and demanding on someone yes. in the sense that you say if you're playing poorly and we are losing, I do have an option. And and by the way, if you think it would be unprecedented, Derek Carr last year got benched in December mm-hmm. in favor of Jarrett Stidham and Derek Carr had
0: a much much better year than Russell Wilson uh, most had. certainly did no it, it is not unprecedented but I I agree you're right and that's that's where I look at it a little bit and think that uh, it, it will be intriguing to see how this gets played out because I, I think there are and I think that Sean Payton is experienced enough to handle it but it is intriguing to see you do have to Challenge Wilson, I think, to an extent. Like I said, I, I feel it needs to be more covert. But if it's even going to be more overt, that's fine. At the same time, as you pointed out, the, the last thing is there's, there is no quarterback controversy. This is about getting Russell Wilson better, not replacing Russell Wilson. It's about getting Russell Wilson not, better. Not right away. Not right now. Not right away. Right now it's about how do I get Russell Wilson better? I agree with that. And he's a guy that, that needs the attaboys. He does, but at the same time, we've. Seen well, I'm not going to stroke him too. Much. When he's had his success, he's he needs a little bit of both, and I think. Peyton, well, Pete Carroll, right? Yeah, I
2: mean, he and Russell Wilson, uh, before Russell married Sierra, I mean, they might as well have been married. Uh, yeah, that was certainly the perception of. Uh, but they also turned like it
0: too at times, and. Well, that came later. It did. That came later, or at least it bubbled under the surface. But, but it, in the, the face forward, in the
2: 13, 14, 15, mm-hmm. 16 seasons. Uh, the folks on the Legion of Boom and others felt that Russell Wilson was wildly overrated and coddled. And that's a word used by Sean Keeler in his column today. Uh, Carroll wasn't as inclined to coddle Wilson when Wilson proved stubborn and resistant to any change in his game, and they soured on each other. I fully believe, can never prove it, but I fully believe Wilson lobbied hard to get Carroll fired and replaced by Sean Payton in Seattle. I, I believe that. Wilson said, I'm, I'm tired of being coached by a defensive guy. We need an offensive guy. We need the best offensive coach in the sport, and that would be at the present time, arguably, arguably, Sean Payton, although, I think Andy Reid might want to have a little conversation uh, yes, about yes. Uh, being perceived as inferior to Sean Payton.
0: The storyline for that is going to work its way out over time, but for the Broncos, they can't afford Russell Wilson to be uh, slow out of the gate. It's, this is going to be a really intriguing uh, situation. They don't have that luxury. They, they do not. They do uh, not. It, it is Last so year, they were 2-1,
2: and one, remember. Mm-hmm. This year, if they're 1-2 and two they're or... Drunk forbid 0-3. Oh. Oh you, you've got to think about making a change maybe even maybe earlier than midseason. Than later,
0: because if, if this doesn't work out, the Bron- I've, you, I've done you've the You've got to have the first game. I have broken down the numbers with you. Maybe I'll do it again over the course of this week where the Broncos can make moves. It would be painful, but if there's a Band-Aid they want to pull off, and actually call this rebuild a rebuild, there are (laughs) ways to do it. uh, But, you know, maybe they can keep kicking that can down the the road. The rebuild that can't be called a rebuild. the rebuild that must not be named. But uh, we will see. The Broncos are under it. They get it going tomorrow after all everyone gets to the camp today, except for, you know, Vosarique, but that's kind of on him. We'll be back for more tomorrow. Thanks for Daniel uh, Pirro joining us, talking about Shooter Sanders and his youth camp. Interviewed him yesterday, uh, Chris Thomason, talking with Lionel Taylor, Joe Collier about the Ring of Fame. Great stuff oh, today. Both terrific guests.
2: Anytime we yeah. hear, even indirectly from Joe Collier, it is a if great If you missed time. any
0: part of it, you can always get it at milehighsports.com or even better on the free Mile High Sports app. You can get all of that, plus all the live broadcasts. You can catch the show, listen to it, watch it, all of it. Danny Bailey's the man that makes all that work, by the way. Thanks to Danny for popping in as well and uh, uh, correcting me when I said the wrong player and then pointing out a couple other things that I did wrong. I, otherwise, you know, someone's got to keep me in check. So thanks to Danny for doing that. We will be back tomorrow for more as Broncos season really begins more or less in earnest. The rubber hits the road tomorrow. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. Keep it right here on My Life Sport.